Fox Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 203, where we respond to your criticism through sarcasm. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. I, I, I thought it was very nice of Elmo Keep to uh, do exactly that, Josh. To oh. respond to your criticism through her sarcasm. What? What? Did you? Elmo Keep did something. Yeah. Damn you, Elmo Keep. Oh. It, was, it was the fourth uh, instalment in the Robots Are Evil thing on uh, Hungry <laughs> Beast. They're still doing that. Well, she actually came back saying there's been a lot of criticism about uh, all of this. Uh, Robots Are Evil. Uh, yeah, yeah, running around yeah, with and their then, hairs on fire. And then only responded in criticism. Rather sarcasm. Than, oh, sorry, in, in sarcasm rather than actual intelligent theory or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Why is the theme tune still going? Go away. Go away. Goes. Go away. It's too long. Um, so hang on. But she, she, she did part four, but she didn't... She didn't, didn't, she didn't actually answer. She didn't actually answer any criticisms. Right. Uh, just uh, sarcastically pretty much go, oh, no, robots are great. Right. Didn't, didn't say why she thought a four-part series on robots are evil was, was so vitally important. No. No, no, no. Didn't, didn't answer any questions right. at all. Okay. Uh, but, you know, good luck to everyone. <laughs> And all that sale Fingers on her. buzzers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck to everyone. Fingers on buzzers. In this week's episode of Box Cutters. Uh, yes, John. Craig motherfucking McLaughlin. Correct. <laughs> Correct. He will be in the studio talking to us about his experiences in television. It's, it's written down here. I do apologize for, for using the M word I- there. It, it McLaughlin. Was, it was written on my sheet. You can say McLaughlin as much. It's not like Macbeth. Okay. You can say it as much as you like. <laughs> you just said Macbeth. Shit. It's not a theatre. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, wait a minute. Macbeth's dead now. <gasps> the Spanish <Gosh>. play. <laughs> I am a little bit worried about uh, mentioning people and then them dying when uh, it, it comes to the news. Have you done it today. again? Well, not yet. But, but I am a little bit worried. Oh. A little bit worried. Anyway, that'll be in the news. Uh, that comes later in the show. I'm not sure exactly where in the show right. that happens. Uh, but we'll, uh, you know, we'll do it when we do that. Josh Canal, are we reviewing a TV show? We are reviewing a TV show, John Richards. It is called Bored to Death. It is uh, a, a new show that stars Jason Schwartzman. This is jumping, and Ted Danson. Jumping the gun a little bit, I still have no idea how the title of the show actually connects to the show itself. Have I missed something really obvious? That's a line in the first uh, episode. Yeah. Why he uh, smokes dope? Why Ted Danson smoked? Dope. Well, his his character smokes right. dope. Right. Yeah. Still doesn't seem enough. Anyway, we'll, yeah, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that. Well, why so, why I've why only seen do... five minutes of it, and I picked up that much. I still don't, don't get we... the connection. Yeah. Why don't we talk about the uh, about why it's called what it's called? I would have called when that we... the faux Jewish detective. When we uh, when no we no do... he is Jewish, isn't he? The Jewish faux detective, self hating New York Jew, self hating New York Jew detective. Why why don't we talk about all of this? Okay. When we do the review, because otherwise we'll have nothing at all to talk about. All right. When, when we do the review, uh, we've uh, got so letters to box cutters. We've got some crap TV. We've got one thing. We've got some pork. As always, though. Oh, here it is. Let's kick things off with the box cutters news. News. 
Brett Cropley, what have you got for us to start things off? Something big, I hope. Something juicy. Something that nobody else knows. Darling and multi-gold Logie Award winning TV presenter Rove McManus has announced after 10 years of doing Rove, it's all over. It is no more. He did, won't did be he coming back. Did he just call me darling? I'm confused. He, no, no, no. He was talking about... Rove uh, is the darling. He was talking about Major, oh, major Darling from so, Blackadder. So I thought it was darling, comma. Rove. <laughs> <laughs> so Rove has done what, darling? Uh, Rove McManus announced on air that his long-running talk show, Rove, would be coming to an end with last night's episode. That's uh, Sunday for those listening later on in the week. Cutting uh, edge. Being... The last episode ever uh, without uh, announcing it uh, in any of the advertising and so uh, foregoing the ratings boost, though I guess given that uh, he doesn't want to come back, he doesn't care about uh, what their final episode figures were. Still, you'd think that would be covered in some other media somewhere. Did he say this at the beginning or end of the show, though? Because on Facebook last night, while the show was on, people were discussing that it was his last show. I think he announced on, uh, maybe on Rove Daily... Earlier. Oh, okay. So people people did seem to be aware oh, that it was his final show. Did he? Because he, he actually said that he wanted to say it, announce it on the show. Oh, so, so maybe so that, he announced it at so the start. Viewers would know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I don't really watch uh, Rove. I almost called it Rove Live. Uh, but uh, they did do that thing again where they had uh, everybody who's ever worked on the show in the credits uh, at the end. So that was nice. Were there extra uh, special guests or anything for the twice, final? Twice this year, my name's been on television. <laughs> <laughs> extra special guests? Or was uh, it just Pete, like a... Pete Hellier. Pete Hellier was on. I know right. that. Right. Uh, and I suspect uh, that uh, because they actually had the 10th anniversary party show really uh, where they of... did most of that, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that was probably enough for them. Of course, he, you know, he says it's the end and then uh, you know, in 10 years' time uh, he'll come back and do two Wednesday night specials. In blackface. In, <laughs> in blackface. And they say that is slightly different because uh, Daryl wasn't the one to uh, announce that he was leaving. It's yeah, it's it's kind, it's a, a smart it's a smart move on Rove's you part. You're such to, uh, a Daryl Summers apologist. To, no, 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 no. no, 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 no he was no, just saying no, that Daryl Summers got fired. That's what he just said. Yeah, <laughs> said Daryl Summers was fired, and he was apologising. Daryl couldn't him. see the writing on the wall. Mm. He's a fool to himself and a burden to others. Hey, yeah. J- John. <laughs> If uh, if if you were going to see the writing on the wall, what would it say? The writing on the wall would say, "Hey, I've got no new ideas for TV shows whatsoever, and my name is ABC in America. What the hell am I going to do?" And the answer to that question on the wall would be, "I'm going to make a new series of Charlie's Angels." Woo! So is that is that a, a reboot the of the needs now. original TV show, or well, is it is it a, yeah, a TV pr- adaptation of the of film the films? No, series? It, it seems to be that it's it's a new version. Of the TV show from the 70s. It's going to be for a new generation. But Is there going to be a gay angel? People. Well, uh, so far, all that's really going on. Uh, there's a lot of news around at the moment for things which are happening. And it's did all it? news about the potentiality of something maybe happening soon at some point. So this did, is actually a story. I'll tell you in so, a second. Ha, ha, no, 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 did no. they already do this, though? With, uh, they, they did. With, with uh, Ian Thorpe and, uh, and Jackie O. And no, that was Thorpe's Angels. <laughs> not Charlie. Oh. This this is actually a new story saying that, that ABC will probably be making a pilot for something. 
There's a lot of these stories going around at the moment. You'll see a lot of people it's going... It's not really news at all then, well, is it, John well, Torchwood apparently is back on. Although, if you actually want to bother reading the articles about Torchwood, they're going to have some meetings in January. That's what those, those articles actually say, to oh. read tonight, if you can be bothered actually <laughs> reading the story. Um, but this one, though, it looks like it's, it's almost certainly going to happen. The interesting thing is that ABC in America, doing a new version of um, Charlie's Angels, uh, it's going to be produced or exactly produced and written by uh, the gentleman who was behind the highly successful Terminator franchise that just got cancelled. Um, here we go. Terminator, uh, Josh Friedman will be executive producing it. The curious thing I thought is that this is actually the third attempt to bring Chinese Angels back, which I didn't know about. There was an attempt in 1988 with, uh, by Tori Spelling's dad, who um, wanted to produce a version called Angels 88 for Fox, which never oh. happened. But that did lead to him producing the original Beverly Hills 90210, which is now being revived. It, it's crazy. It's through the looking glass, people. <laughs> and then after 2004, there was an attempt to do a version for ABC um, with uh, Carlton Coos and John, Josh, so John Worth writing the script. That's a pre-lost Carlton Coos. Uh, so this time around, they reckon it'll probably go ahead because people really, really have no ideas. <laughs> right, that's that's a good reason. Yeah. No, new ideas. That, that, no new that ideas. Is, that is as good a reason as, as any. How how are they going to get Farrah Fawcett back? Well, I think the idea is it's three new angels. Oh, yeah. good. But yeah. they they will have the reanimated corpse of Farrah Fawcett of uh, making a cameo or two. Yeah. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. She, she, like Tori she gives some spiritual advice. Yeah, she rings up on the phone. Don't trust Charlie. <laughs> Actually, that'd be great. Bring in, bring in a weird kind of conspiracy paranoia vibe, and I would then, so be there. Because then that, that can also turn into touched by an angel. See, it's it's a multi crossover concept. A multi crossover. I want to say multi platform for no reason. Okay, just because you like nineteen seventies shoes. Yeah. Remember when uh, on, on the Footy Show, Sam Newman uh, said some horrible things uh, uh, about. Uh, Western Bulldogs uh, boss, Susan Alberti. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Channel 9 have just apologised to the uh, Western Bulldogs director. uh, Apologised in in what form, Josh? In the form of $220,000. Oh, that's actually a real apology. That is is a real apology. Not not an ACMA apology, which I thought we were heading towards. No. ACMA would never apologise. No, but I was thinking, yeah, we could, could, just as a phrase. Like like the apologies that ACMA ACMA make people make. Yeah, exactly. It was a bit of an ACMA apology, if you get what I'm saying. The... the difference between uh, this apology and an ACMA apology uh, is that this one actually went to court and, uh, and they did settle out of court. Yeah. Uh, it went to court where they explained, uh, we had a settlement, yeah. we don't need you guys. Uh, and uh, and uh, Dr. Alberti said that she felt vindicated. Uh, there were five female directors, uh, club directors, uh, who uh, Newman described as liars and hypocrites. And all of those club directors were women, yes? Y- y- yes, that's yes. why the five... I, I did say five female that's surprisingly, directors. That's surprisingly not misogynistic, though, for, for Newman, is it? I mean, that's that's just, you know, that's just slander, as opposed this was, to misogynistic slander. This was off the back of uh, the, the pe- people being outraged at uh, Sam Newman's mannequin sketch. Uh, yeah, in, that's, that's like, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Carl he's done Wilson. much worse. Uh, <laughs> it's like he's actually, done much, much actually, worse. Actually, no, it, it did get more misogynistic oh, than that. Oh, okay, go on. Uh, uh, he said that uh, female board members served little purpose, and uh, Gary Lyons singled out uh, Dr. Alberti for buying two tables in the audience for the footy show, 
in, in remarks that she said implied she was a hypocrite. Don't really understand that. Don't care to. She no. got two hundred twenty thousand dollars. Good for her. You know what? Good on her. Good on. And in her. fact, uh, given that uh, there was some saying that it would probably be a lengthy court case, uh, it was probably less than they would have been paying just in legal costs. There, there hasn't been uh, any clarification as to whether that's all coming from Channel 9 or whether uh, Sam Newman, who actually made the comments in, in the first place, uh, is responsible for any of that payment at uh, all. You know what? It's just, it's just good to see someone actually make the footy show pay yeah. for something mm-hmm. they've done. Well, shall I continue with, with more Channel 9 court case Yeah, of course. Stories. Um, this time, a current affair. A current affair is currently in court for um, a Sydney plastic surgeon uh, and burn specialist, Peter Anthony, uh, I'm going to say Hatch. I don't actually know how to pronounce his surname. but ha- How's it spelled? H-A-E-R-T-S-C-H. Hurch. Hurch, shall we call him? Let's call him Peter Hurch. And Hatch. He'll know who he is. Uh, he's taken action over a report aired on August the 1st, 2008, which he says defamed him. Um, he's being represented by Stuart Littlemore. Remember him? Yeah. Mm. yeah it's like a celebrity. Um, he used to be on uh, uh, This the, Day Tonight. And he did the uh, hypotheticals, did he not? Am I thinking of the right? No, 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 no that's Jeffrey, Jeffrey Robertson. Robertson. Oh. But Littlemore did uh, represent somebody interesting recently. I can't think who that was. Uh, I know that he uh, he, he represented the... Uh, uh, Latrobe Uni newspaper editors when they uh, published their article on how to steal. It's all about you, isn't it, Josh? No, it wasn't that. Uh, I, no, I was, was it not you? I was, you? I was at Monash. Oh, yeah, you were Lot's wife. Yeah. You were Lot's wife. It's weird, though. There was I another know. Anyway, I had to wear a dress and lots of salt. In the story by journalist Kate Donaldson on The Current Affair, the network made him out to be a, quote, monster uh, about a popular story about a popular Gold Coast meter mage whose breast implants went horribly wrong. Describing him as a, quote, disgraced plastic surgeon. So, uh, sorry, so the way you said that, it sounded like something out of a trauma film. When breast implants <laughs> go bad. Uh, the report said that Mr. Hurch had been banned from operating in Queensland after removing another woman's breasts. That phrase is odd and yet somewhat humorous. Um, but Stuart Littlemore said the report was a powerful attack, but a totally untrue one. The script replete with falsehoods and with uh, heavy editing, manipulated images and sinister sound effects to create a defam- defamatory program. Uh, he also pointed out that Dr. Hurcher spent time operating in poor people in third world countries. He treated victims of the Bali bombings. He headed up the Burns Unit at the Concord Hospital in Sydney. He taught surgery at Sydney University. He's an unsung Australian hero like Fred Hollows, Mr. Littlemore said. Now, this but, story is... But with boobs... But with boobs, to crucify as Channel 9 did, one of Australia's finest surgeons on national television to an audience of two million people in an attempt to justify it isn't going to work. Now, the hearing is continuing as we talk, but what I think is interesting here, I mean, apart from, again, it's that thing of anyone that forces Channel 9 to give up money from a current affair, you know, has my thumbs up. Because Channel 9 has so much money. But interesting, I thought the fact that Littlemore has pointed out here the, the editing and the sinister sound effects, which is kind of curious if that becomes part of the the actual judgment because it's one thing to kind of say they said this which is traditionally I think what you'd be arguing in a defamatory case but to say they edited the image in this way and put this sound effect on it which is quite true, I think, as far as de- de- defamation which was, goes. Which was something that uh, the chaser pointed out in the way that... You can make anyone look like yeah. a pedophile. Yeah, yeah they, they did a story about that. And I was thinking, it's interesting because, I mean, I could be wrong, but this is the first time I think I've seen someone bring this up as part of the court case. And that would be interesting if it gets actually legislated 
as such into it. There's a precedent set. There's a precedent set because that will presumably have to affect how some of this sort of coverage is done in the future. It's it's amazing that it has taken this long, though, for it to get to court that television can be manipulative. Yeah, because it's it's always just what people said. It's it's not what they say on telly. It's how they say it. It's how they say it. Interestingly, a little more represented Pauline Hanson in her defamation action against News Limited uh, over the the naked pictures of... uh, somebody that wasn't her, um, and also Mercedes Corby in her defamation action against uh, the Seven Network. Right. Yeah. Good on him. He's, he's picked up some, uh, some interesting yes. clients. Yes. Um, they were all wrong in all aspects. Who? Everyone. <laughs> Sweeping, but true. Yeah, well, why not? Why not? Hey, there's been a couple of cancellations. I'll jump in there, and you can take the last one, Josh. Sure. Uh, Josh Whedon's Dollhouse has been given the axe after struggling to improve uh, on last season's uh, not outstanding uh, figures already. Um, and the ABC have cancelled Hank, uh, which was... <laughs> oh, not the ABC. The ABC in the US. ABC America has uh, cancelled Hank, which was Kelsey Grammer's new comedy uh, special air quotes there just for the uh, will, video uh, podcast viewers. I will say I saw the first episode and it was better than the first episode of Back to You. Really? Which is not saying much. Should mention too with Dollhouse that apparently the, the uh, Fox has said it we will finish the series though. So they will finish all 13 episodes of series two and they are planning to do a, a proper finale. So it will the series will come hopefully to some kind of satisfactory ending. Which oh. will somehow use the 13th episode that they never televised last Which season. is great, that one. Well, the 13th episode actually yeah. was, was, made, was made for DVD. Like, yeah. It wasn't even made for yeah. broadcast, and yet it's, it's the best one they made. But the <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward to, see, uh, to, to seeing where it goes. I, uh, I think it's just a shame. It's I haven't a shame watched that... anything beyond our review of it. Right. Um, it got... Quite good. I'm I, quite I, into I it. didn't watch any further, and then I watched the the mythical episode thirteen, the DVD only one, which is actually really good, and that has made me interested to go back and watch. And then the rest of it. And then I've been watching the second series with uh, episode thirteen in mind, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's fantastic because I just go, well, how is this all going to fit together? Yes, and that's the question also that Joss Whedon now has to. He's got yes. two weeks to fill in because <laughs> they were How's filming episode eleven when the uh, cancellation came. Oh, through. that's that's really nice of Fox, isn't it? <laughs> that's re- really nice of them. Hey, uh, Ray Bradbury, uh, noted author, has uh, signed with White Oak Films to develop a miniseries based on six of his short stories. Ray Bradbury's got to be pretty old now, doesn't he? It's going to be called The Bradbury Chronicles, uh, and uh, no network is attached, but uh, they think that a show with the author of uh, Fahrenheit uh, 451 and uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes will, uh, will help... Sell the series, but this is not just another anthology series. Because Bradbury has done quite a few of those in the past. Uh, he's he's uh, and a film as well. In fact, he's uh, he's actually signed on to help adapt them. Okay, but, but presumably each episode will be a different story. I yes. imagine much much like that late eighties one he did, and that film from the seventies that he did. Oh, which I, I'm unaware of. Okay, yeah, he's, he did a Twilight Zone type thing in the late '80s, which was partly filmed in I, think, I have this feeling in Canada and partly in Europe. And in the mid '70s, I'm going to say there's a film of three of his stories, The Illustrated Man, which is again oh. an anthology piece, which features the Velt, the Illustrated Man, and one other. Right. Well, I uh, I look forward to that because uh, nothing could make his stories uh, better than not having to read his overwriting. Oh. Yeah. 
take that, Bradbury. He went there. Bam, <laughs> bam. And uh, and lastly, uh, just some some good news that I found uh, just before coming in, even though it's from the fourth of uh, November. Uh, Jane Lynch and Kristen Bell are both going to be on the next series of Party Down. Oh, so Jane Lynch is coming back to Party Down. Hooray! We thought she wasn't because of Glee, but now she is. Well, Glee has been uh, creating some controversy within itself uh, by having an actor in a wheelchair who is an abled actor and uh, not uh, a, a, a non-walking thesp. And uh, there, there is some up in arms in the states. Really? So, you mean the actors are pretending? Is, so, so an is, actor is, is actually not, an actor is not the, the thing. The, they the critics are saying screen. that they should have actually used an actor who legitimately uses a wheelchair. Remember that film, that it was an Oliver Stone film, uh, born on the 4th of July, with Tom Cruise? <laughs> yes. Tom Cruise did not actually have to get paralysed in order to be in the wheelchair. But they no. did break his legs because he's a method actor. I'm just well, reporting the controversy. I, I wouldn't want to do that. I'm not saying if I agree or disagree with it. And that is the Boxcutters News. Bonjour tout le monde, bienvenue à Boxcutters. Good morning everybody and welcome to Boxcutters. This is Toby Sullivan uh, displaying his bilingual prowess on the best TV podcast that uh, I've ever encountered. Ici, dans le studio, uh, nous avons Craig McLaughlin! Bonjour. Bonjour. It's, it's gone wrong. Now. What, ça va? <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were doing the whole thing in uh, French. That kicked off. I don't know much French. I don't know. I don't know uh, combien, to, oh, combien pour le petit fille? Uh, which is how much for the little girl? How much for the... Ah, yeah. Uh, gosh, yeah. is that the time already? <laughs> <laughs> Craig, Craig McLaughlin, formerly of uh, much, much television, including, uh, you know, the, some Countdown Revolution, I'm sure. <gasps> yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm just old enough to scrape into that. Sweet. Yeah. And, uh, and but, but of course, Neighbours uh, and, uh, and a, a fantastic career from it. Thanks so much for joining us on Box Cutters. Uh, please, I wouldn't miss cut, it. Come back, come back again. I will. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, no, wait, wait. Oh, oh there's up. more? There's more. <laughs> yeah, this is the fourth hour in the studio, people. Uh, can yeah. you? Can you? This is Go probably on. the most important question we're going to ask you. Yep. Can you get us in touch with Alan Dale? Because we want to speak to him about how angry he is with neighbours. Oh, do you know what? I'd, I would love to put you guys in touch with uh, Alan Dale. But because he's just so angry with the world and life, that was a phone number I uh, cut out. I was going to say just scribbled through. I actually cut it out, took it down to a beach, I dug a pit (laughs) and burnt it in said pit. I don't know. Maybe he's changed and mellowed, and uh, I hope he has. Oh, sure. I, I the, did but, the same but, thing with his son's phone number because I went to school with him. And, oh, did you? <laughs> you know what I'm Simon. talking about then. And my psychologist suggests that, you know, to repeat that action whenever his name's mentioned to me is going to help significantly. So thanks for bringing that up again, yeah, you good guys. Good one, Josh. Um, Andrew, <laughs> you've got no idea. Because one of the... Uh, you know what he hated more than me and Henry and neighbours? Nothing. Let me tell you, nothing uh, I, came close. No, he, he hated the... Uh, uh, he, he hated the fact that he doesn't get many residuals for neighbours. Oh. And I, I was at a wedding uh, uh, on the weekend and uh, met up with the second Lucy <gasps> from Neighbours. Ah, oh, the second Lucy. The second Lucy. And uh, and she was telling me how... Lucy ev- too. Every, every now and then she gets a, a residual check for like two bucks. <laughs> oh, she's lucky. And, uh, and she's had maybe three of them. 
two bucks. In, she's, in, I tell you, she's got a good agent. Because <laughs> uh, my seventy-five cent neighbours residual for them selling the series because it's a huge hit in northern Uzbekistan. Look, you know, uh, Alan, I remember those guys put together a company. I was with the show for three years. Had a, had it's a, only, had, three, only three years. I know, it seems like an eternity, doesn't it, for all of us. 87 through 89, yeah. according to Wikipedia. Uh, in fact, I joined in 86, but, mm-hmm. you know, Wikipedia is not known for its accuracy. watertight yeah. accuracy. Yeah. But were, were you at Channel 7, Neighbours? No, oh, I, joined, joined I joined when it moved to 10. Right. So um, I'll let you finish telling your story. Well, no, I was just going to say about the residual thing and stuff. The first two years of the, my three years with the show, it was just... Fantastic fun. I, and, and I genuinely, sincerely mean that. It was great fun. There's this little show being produced out at Nana Wadding. Great name, isn't it, folk? Nana Wadding, of course, is Aboriginal for angry guy who's not getting enough residuals. But that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Nana Wadding, there we were making this show, uh, which had, uh, if I'm allowed to use the word on, on podcasts, I'm sure I am. Anyone um, you want. It stiffed big time on 7. And there we were at Channel 10, and it was... The momentum was happening. It was, you know, increasing uh, its ratings by the week. There was a real sense of this is. Firstly, we were all employed. That's a good thing, and the show's doing well. Da 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 da. Then we get word from England that uh, it's pulling twenty million viewers. People are staying off school, aren't going back to their place of employment because you know they're videotaping it and they're watching it again and again and again. Suddenly, it's pulling twenty-two million viewers, and the BBC have decided to screen it twice a day and then a few of the neighbours cast went to do publicity in England and it was I mean I didn't believe it at the time you know but they, they were coming back and saying it's akin to it's like Beatlemania, Kissmania Culture Club mania all rolled into one mania yeah right well it wasn't until I made a visit over that I discovered that the Poms were absolutely mad for it and it was insane and that in my opinion an angry owl will probably dispute this and want to punch my head in. If he can catch me, he's more than... Uh, you know. I, I welcome a good bashing, but the rot <laughs> set in at that point. Suddenly it was goontown, and this is where the, the shit started with... I remember sitting in a meeting one day, and the, the, the company had formulated... Or the cast had formulated a company, and they're saying, this is the prototype for the neighbour's teaspoon. What do we all think? Well, it's got you know, either Kylie's head or Jason's head or my head on the teaspoon. And I'm like, I don't know that that's necessarily cool. Here's the toilet roll wear prototype. And, uh, oh, that's interesting. That's got Alan's face on it. But anyway, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. It was just Goontown. The, the, just the bullshit and the greed, greed went off the chart. Now, I agree. If a show's been so phenomenally successful, we, we know, of course, it was made in America under SAG, Screen Actors Guild con- conditions. And uh, for those people who are in those kind of uber-popular shows, for whatever reason, they may not get a gig ever again. They're kind of looked after in the residual department because, you know, SAG has, you know, they fought long and hard many, 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 many years ago to make sure that was the case. It ain't the case here in Australia. The truth be told, Alan's not, you know, we're poking fun at Alan. He's not entirely wrong. People should be up for a little bit more on the back end. To be fair, especially when something's as stupidly successful as that, but to be so consumed by it and to you know, I mean, and, and that's that's the thing that strikes me with Allendale is that after all these years, and because he is now the go-to guy when uh, 
when when you can't get uh, Roddy McDowell, uh, you, you, you get you get Alan Dale to do something in your show. Uh, that just like he, he is so successful. He's in Lost. He's in Lost. Yeah, one of the greatest network shows around. Around, yeah. And and he still, if he speaks to Australian journalists, will uh, will just badmouth neighbours. I look. I don't. I, I really don't. I really don't get it now. <clears throat> speaking of lost, you know, Alan was lost for a huge period of time. True. So I take my hat off to him for his stickability. I haven't. I have never attempted the US thing uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I make too much money and enjoy myself too much in England and Europe. And really, unless you go into the US market on the back of something successful out of Australia. You've got to do without what Al did. And Alan went over there, you know, after I think Jim finally had a fatal heart attack on Ramsey Street, didn't he? He had a couple he, of goes, didn't he? Or am I thinking of someone else? Oh, I don't know. I think, I think you're thinking of Tom on, uh, on Home and Away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a couple of goes. And, of course, Harold disappeared for years and came back. But I think, I think Alan, I think Jim finally had a heart attack and that was that. And, you know, Alan, to his credit, he went to America and, I mean, spent a lot of years just knocking on doors and doing what you've got to do. God bless him, you know, and I'm anyone who can have the sort of success that he had here for so long with neighbours and whatever, go over there because Hollywood is a soulless, vacuous ass of a joint and he just hung in there. So I take my hat off to him in that respect. But you know what? To come out the other end 10 or 15 years later and suddenly be that Roddy McDowell guy... <laughs> Uh, but to you know to get really great little roles in all this great you know terrific popular television. And, and he just he just keeps to Ugly Betty. I mean, like, he just like keeps up in all these things. Yeah, and a couple of in Torchwood or something. Brief roles in West Wing. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, I reckon you know what you 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 did your years of hard graft. You've come out the other side. God bless you. Really. Get over it. I mean, you know, we had a lot of fun in those early days on Neighbours. A lot of fun. And, uh, you know, life's too short. Well, he actually talks about being treated badly as a, as a cast member at the time, like beyond the residual issue. He, he what? Says that he, he claims to, to have been treated badly on set. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, you guys are winding me up. No, I'm sure no. that I read that. Oh, yeah. that's no, no. I, that's just ridiculous. I certainly, certainly during my time there, I don't know what happened because he stayed. I guess he sh- wouldn't have been the heartthrob that you were at the time. He never what? got to was to anybody. Show off his pets you know what and, I mean? You know, was yeah. anybody? Uh, yeah, actually, actually, yeah. I, I wouldn't have. Uh, I, I wouldn't have just wanted to sit there and watch him uh, shirtless in a, a coveralls. Oh, don't be too hasty. Whereas I remember that, that was in your contract. I remember the it? first time I saw him in a pair of overalls pushing a lawnmower. It wasn't a bad sight to behold. Well, Alan would have been. Alan would have been. Uh, I don't think he'd had his fortieth birthday yet when I joined the show. But listen, certainly the time. You know, for the three years I was there, as I say, the first two years were right as we had a great time. I don't remember Alan being treated badly, but you know, Alan. Uh, uh, certainly, his certainly his his gorgeous, lovely wife. I mean, we had a chat about it at the last Hey Hey when Hey Hey finished on air years ago. I'm not talking about the recent reunions. No uh, one is. Uh, no one is. 
Except the Channel 9 executives, of course, because didn't it rate its pants off? Oh, yeah. Like... It, it rated like a lynching. I couldn't have put it better. <laughs> uh, but, you know, more, more Alan... <laughs> Alan not being treated well on set, I, I never saw any of that. I, I, think, I think the truth is he was cranky more days on set than he would have been treated badly by anyone else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I, come on, Alan. I wanted to ask you about uh, people saying things like Neighbours, you know, think, oh, well, I, it can typecast, you can destroy your career, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Other people, I would think that, that, you know, it's, and I think maybe you've been able to use it more as a, as a, a thing to help, especially with like English theatre and it gives uh, people a thing to, to hang on. Is, is there a Neighbours millstone around your neck? Like, is it a problem later in your career? Oh, I, Look, I've always said it's blessing and curse. I guess, I guess, you know, and you've gotten to know me reasonably well, John, over recent months. M- my thing is I just n- – <laughs> this is going to sound – I don't take anything too seriously to the point where it's going to give me a heart attack like some. Neighbours in Australia to this day, 20-whatever years down the track for me, uh, poses the odd problem. Casting – the old guard of casting agents in Australia still don't take you seriously. Now, it doesn't matter. You can go on. A classic example is the, uh, uh, um, the Heroes Mountain, the Stuart Diver telly movie we did a few years ago. Network 10 at the time saw just about every English-speaking actor on the face of God's earth. And the director and the producer, Tony Buckley, sweet Tony Buckley, who has just the most extraordinary history in our business. Kept putting their hand up and saying... Because I'd done a cameo in a thing called My Husband, My Killer for them. David Field and I played... I played a bungling, knuckle-headed head of security trying to organise a hitman played by David Field. Because that's the role David that, Field plays. Do you know yeah. what I mean? To knock off, uh, you know, the true story of the Sydney hotelier, Andrew Kalasic, you know, arranging to have his wife bumped off. Anyway, for me... Post Neighbours, this small role in this thing, uh, had people going, crikey, Craig, who knew? We think the boy may actually be able to act. Fancy that. Well, the following year, the casting for Stuart Diver came along. Now, Channel 10 were the, was the screening co-producing network of the Kalasic thing. But they saw 41 actors before they reluctantly agreed to see me. And the, and the rest is history. And I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass, but I went in, nailed it, got it. And it was one of those, sometimes in the business you go in, uh, I mean, you never categorically know. You can go in and think you've done a fantastic job and, of course, you never hear back and whatever. But it was it was a day where you just, you felt the planets align. Uh, Peter Androkidis and I, even in the audition, way beyond just doing the scenes, we started workshopping other stuff. It was just one of those great creative sessions. And, uh, you know, in the end, reluctantly, they had they had to say, well, for this particular film, we've got to say, and it kills me to say it, but, you know, McLaughlin is the one. I still face that to this very day. People simply see... Uh, navy blue dungarees, a big mop of curly mulleted hair, and, and that's kind of it. This is something I, I did want to um, ask, and, and you mentioned before, uh, Craig and I have been working together the uh, last few months at Her Majesty's Theatre on uh, Chicago the Musical, where Craig is playing Billy Flynn, and I am playing Roxy Hart. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm no Ray Winston in the role, let's be honest. He was the, the you know, I think no one will ever beat him. But <laughs> you are, are playing 
<laughs> Billy Flynn. Tickets to the ticket tech. And one of the things is, is when people come into the theatre, uh, you know, we often have famous people coming in and you have a perception of, of what the person is going to be like. And you thought I was going to be a complete knob, didn't you? This is, this is my question was going to be, how do you think you're perceived generally, Craig? Because I said, you really surprised me. You have been the most not like the public perception of anyone I've ever met in this gig. And every time I say to people, that Craig McLaughlin's really nice, people often go, really? Really? So how are you perceived and why, why are you perceived? In, in, like, what's the, what's the public perception of Craig McLaughlin? Well, I think... Uh, I think for those, you know, I was 21 when I joined Neighbours, you know, and I was, you know, I was a baby, really. I think Kylie, Kylie would have been 18 or 19. And, uh, you know, I don't come from a show-busy family or anything like that. I was thrust into it and, you know, I was, you know, thrown into the chaos that, especially in the late 80s, you know, you had you had the Scases, the Alan Bonds you know, Alan Bond buying Channel 9 for ridiculous sums. You had Scase buying 7. Money was mad. Publicity was mad. Um, the airbrushing of young actors' teeth and the whites of their eyes, were, it was off the chart. And you're a young spunk in the most famous show on the planet. I've been time. called a lot of things in my time. I haven't heard young spunk for a while. Thank <laughs> you, John. But uh, so I think, you know, that cast, you know, a very uh, almost permanent, but that cast a very kind of definite idea of Craig McLaughlin and then after the madness of kind of uh, soap stardom and you know uh, you know brief uh, flirtations with pop stardom and all the rest of it I worked out very early on that that um, I'm happy to do what's required to promote whatever I'm in whatever I'm doing but beyond that I'm a pretty private guy and I don't give a lot away. I mean, if we went online now to check out how many red carpets and kind of show-busy events I've been to, you'd see the ones... Um, I attend the ones that I have to attend that I'm in. Beyond that, I don't. I don't kind of play that game. And I'm not dissing the people that do. Some people live for publicity. Uh, some people would go to the opening of a, a jar of peanut butter. God bless you. But it ain't me. So I think perceptions of me bang there's this initial stamp of craig mclaughlin and the cheeky young bloke winning logies and mentioning that you know his mum's gonna fall off a chair at bingo tonight and all this sort of stuff and the the mullet and the this that and the other thing then there's this huge gap of time where i go overseas and i'm away for the better part of a decade and only really resurface in australia to do little bits and pieces and i don't give anything away Oh, well, it's Craig McLaughlin. Yeah, we all remember Craig McLaughlin, mullet, dungarees, and da-da-da-da-da. Because I don't give any other kind of real insight into myself, people, I think, are left wondering, and the only thing they've got to go back to... Is the check one, too. ...is all that stuff. So on the one hand, I've got myself to blame, but on the other hand, uh, you know, I'm a very private guy. The thing that does intrigue me, though, John, and and it was funny when you and I met, you know, we we spoke about this at the theatre one night, it's interesting, isn't it? The I don't know what what mathematical equation exists for determining that someone must be a knob. <laughs> so you go mullet, neighbours, <laughs> plus home and away, plus hit record. Yeah, that record happens to be Mona, and the video was shit. 
Um, well, let's add all that up, shall we? Maybe if you'd done play school. Carry the five. Well, I mean, what's... See, that gives you... Have you had that option? Well, because... That gives you suddenly... It's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. We had had Alex Paps on uh, about almost two years ago now, and... uh, Is Papsy doing... He's he's doing play school. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. Sorry, Alex. I was say, was there a period, though, when you were 21, 22? Because, I mean, you know, you, you would have had this amazing power... Uh, being in that position, power at the time. I mean, I mean, were you an arrogant young asshole, leaving you know crying ladies in your wake or something, or was this completely fabricated? <laughs> well, not so much crying ladies. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> oh, look. If you asked, if you asked Ellen Dale, he'd probably say so. Uh, but I, look, I don't think so. In fact, in in fact, um, uh, somebody, uh, somebody said the other. The producers had some some people in the show the other night, and um, from I can't remember if they were LA or New York, but anyway, they came in and <laughs> someone said as I was shooting out the side door in my, my thong short shorts and a t-shirt, um, I said, "Oh my God, you're dreadfully normal, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, we could lose the dreadfully, but I'd like to think that. I've got to say, you are the yeah. most generous with your fans of anyone I've I've kind of seen at the theatre too. Often, some of them are terrific kisses. Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Often, often you'll see the name actors, and and the worst is Topol. By the way, yes, yeah, really, yeah. really, Topol, obnoxious. Uh, Seriously, <laughs> that's my job. Lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a horrible, horrible man. Oh, <laughs> controversial. But um, he was in Flash Gordon. I know. I I used to say that to him every time he came in. Loved you in Flash Gordon. <laughs> And that Bond film, I can't remember which one it was. Um, <laughs> and, uh, what, what, what Bond film was he in? Uh, is so it, you seriously can't remember which one it was. It might be a View to a Kill. It's, oh. it's, it's late, late period Roger Moore. Oh, okay. <clears throat> anyway, but um, but I've noticed... I saw the Lazen... Sorry to interrupt. I saw the Lazenby one again recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, on Her Majesty's Secret It's actually not a bad film. It's just not a good Bond film. Yeah. In the same way that Superman 3 is quite a good film, it's just not a very good Superman yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Anyway, but it I is digress. a great Sorry. Richard Pryor it's film. A, yeah. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> it's a fantastic Richard Pryor film. <laughs> but I'm seeing, uh, seeing you with your fans. It is funny how generous you are and weirdly kind of um, grateful in a way. Like, you, you, you honestly seem quite pleased, you know, that they're interested. Oh, I'm still nice to have them 20-something years <laughs> down the track, you know. Oh, but... Yeah. Oh. Oh, this is gonna. This is. There's no. There's no way I'm going to be able to say this without sounding like a trite suck. But, but I'll, I'll give it a whirl anyway. Um, you know, you, particularly now more so than ever before, the commercial nature of what we do. You know, whether it's a show like Chicago, stunt casting as they like to call it, mm-hmm. when they stick people like me and Gina in or whatever. Television certainly. Uh, uh, who was it, David Lee Roth said um, recently, you know, fame or celebrity is, uh, we used to say, um, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. He said, well, unfortunately, we now live in a time where it's here today, gone later today. You know, getting to the point that it's just, you know, it's it's more cutthroat really than ever before and it's perhaps more brutal than ever before. And the fact that there are still people out there, and what amazes me is some of them are... um, youngsters who certainly wouldn't have you know been so much as a twinkle in mum and dad's eye when uh, we were sitting on the back of a tabletop truck you know uh and if if there is a if you've witnessed something in there that's akin to kind of me being grateful i suppose i am really otherwise i'd be back to unblocking the grease trap at kentucky fried chicken and (laughs) 
playing guitar in the uh, in the Wack Brothers at the Gundaroo Hotel up at Budgiewoy. So you know, I I am kind of grateful to be honest. Plus, you know me, I could talk under six hundred foot of wet cement. So and I'm always up for a natter. So, something you said earlier uh, struck me when you know you had gotten so much work from Channel Ten on Neighbours, and then when it came time to uh, cast you in another role, it it's like they had forgotten that uh, that you were actually an actor, and that's why you got the role in the first place. And uh, and, and I don't know, is, is it like they were ashamed of what they had made of you, or is is it like they thought that because of what they had done to you, the show could never be taken seriously if it starred you, or that's a really that's a really interesting question and observation. It's a little bit like you know, Dr. Frankenstein suddenly being horrified at, <laughs> at his creation, you know. Uh, Frankenfurter being horrified at Rocket. Oh, Rocket, Rocket, Rocket. Riff set the sonic transducer to program eight, secure all levels at zero. Uh, Sorry, you're doing I Chicago digress. Now. That's right. Now, now you're doing Chicago. Uh, uh, that's, that's, that's how that's he does Chicago. Yeah. It's a really oh, odd show. Really? Is everybody here? <laughs> Is everybody ready? Uh but that's a good point, and I think uh, yeah, that's a really interesting thing to contemplate because they, you know, when you are in a show like Neighbours, particularly during that kind of golden Jason Kylie period, well, let me rephrase that, the golden Jason Kylie Allendale period, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, everything is, is, is bigger than big, the publicity. Uh, there was a period in, like, 1988 or 89... Um, if we were to go to the McLaughlin vaults, there is a there's my um, curly headed face on a magazine cover every week for fifty something weeks of the year, whether it was a smash hits or TV hits or whatever. The network publicists, are, it's like the Mitsubishi production line; they're just churning it out, churning it out, churning it out. So yeah, they build up this they build up this beast that's that's in fact way beyond the young actor that nervously went into the rehearsal room and the interesting thing about about um casting my mind back to the the audition for for henry on neighbors was that peter o'brien and uh jeff payne jeff was playing dr clive two very popular characters they were leaving at around the same time and the idea henry madge's lost son henry (laughs) was coming back it was was coming, you know, after a short stint in the clink in jail. In a sense, I was replacing two very, very popular characters. And the pressure was really on. They put me on a six-week contract. And the six weeks, I had six weeks to kind of prove as a youngster with no experience that I could quickly nut out multi-cam studio work and not mask people and not trip over the furniture. And also... Uh, Within that six weeks at the time, toward the end of that time, the character would premiere on air and we'll see if audiences take to him. So I had like a week to see if audiences were going to like me or not, otherwise I'd be boned. Um, so the pressure was 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 really on and um, and all you can think when you're given that opportunity is, you know, they say jump and I'd always say how high do you want it. Um, but I remember clearly the audition, the pressure on, and the room was just full of, of faces that I'd been watching for years on television, you know, like, oh, he's off such and such, and 
oh, restless years. How could I not know you? And da 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 da. I had zilch experience. I'd done a 50 worder as a 16 year old on Young Doctors. Christ, it's Alan Dale again, of course. <laughs> uh, and uh, 50 words on uh, sons, and sons and daughters. I had no experience. So all I did was I went into the audition room and the producers were there. And uh, and I was a young kid off the northern beaches or the, the northern central coast of New South Wales. I was suntanned. I had long blonde curly hair. I immediately took my sweater off, stripped down to a singlet. And short of doing anything that I would live to regret physically, I just flirted with these guys and basically just made them laugh. Made them, in a sense, without sounding like a complete tosser, and perhaps it's too late for me to apologise for that, but I just made them fall in love with me because I knew I didn't have the training or the experience to beat these other guys in the, the waiting room with years of experience. Uh, and so when I joined the show and got thrust into it, you're absolutely right. They created network publicity in the network machine and uh, Walshy, Brian Walsh, who now heads up, of course, Fox, was head of publicity then. And they created this thing that's so huge uh, uh, that, yeah, I think in a very, very real way... <clears throat> regardless of the sorts of things I can bring to any project as a as an actor, for many years, right up until today, with certain people, still can't see beyond and that's a, that Henry monster. And that's a, a huge part. I mean, we talk a lot about uh, the machine and how the machine gets it wrong on, uh, on box cutters. And when you look at your experience with... Uh, uh, with with neighbours, uh, Carly and Jason with Stock Aiken and Waterman, yours with uh, uh, with Sony, and uh, and and all these all these people telling who are essentially young kids uh, who have been thrust into this what to do, and then it can it can ruin their career as much as make their career because in that situation you have no say really oh, absolutely in, in what's going on absolutely uh and certainly you know talking about the the uh the sony thing for me as well you know just uh, sony uh sony released the check one two albums yes um of course they were still cbs at the time we signed with them and it was during it was during the uh in fact we would have released the initial stuff in fact if i have a look Box cutter fans, I'm just looking at. We have a vinyl cheek one two here, and copy, we should point out. Yeah, <laughs> this is and it's actually properties. so it came out on CBS, but yeah, I mean it was Sony. But uh, you know, whether uh, Mona was thrust upon us, that was a song that never appeared in any set from any band I ever played in ever, uh, and and it, it it didn't gel with. Uh, the persona you were trying to give by having your own rock band and at all, uh, and I I remember just arguing till I was blue in the face and was basically told this will be a hit, da 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 da, just shut up and play it. I I remember doing the final guitar overdubs on it and just thinking, you know, this sound look. So it's who was great. telling you that? Was that was that the record company went to you and said, "Okay, we, we this is want to make you a star." And- the A and R department are yeah. saying, you know, we we demoed up maybe I don't know thirty songs 
And it's typical of any young kid that's played guitar since, you know, I was basically pulled off mum's boob and straight onto a cheap SG copy. Mm-hmm. And you've, you just write, you know, like, um, although I took formal music lessons, it used to bore me shitless. In fact, I used to sit there and my music teacher used to catch me out all the time. My ear was so terrific that I'd only have to hear a piece once I could play it and I'd pretend to be reading it. I'd be bored out of my brain. I'd be thinking of Electric Ladyland, you know. And he he would deliberately do things like he'd write a repeat thing at the end of a bar to make me go, and I wouldn't. I'd just keep going and pretend to turn the page. And he'd like, uh, so you were, you didn't see the repeat symbol that I wrote on the, uh, and I said, you're not reading it, are you, son? No, I'm not. Um, uh, but I digress. Uh, uh, so it was the A&R department back in the day. We had like 20 or 30 songs, and the record company picked... Yeah, I'm having to refer to the bloody cover again, but the record company picked, what, a dozen uh, of the poppier, lighter stuff uh, that they and Garth felt that they could really, again, popify. And then I got Mona thrust at me, and... You know, we were just adamant. We just thought it sucked and whatever. But, and again, we're young. We'd never had a record deal before. I didn't have music management at the time. I simply had a lawyer who was doing the sums and just saying, listen, you know, just... You, you, Take you, the money and shut up. Because you kind of got to do what they say. You and can always right. be a plumber later on. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and, uh, look... Like saying it's best to have loved than to have never have loved at all. It's nice to have had a hit than to have never had a hit. But, again, like we're talking about the machinery behind building up these huge young soap stars, building up a huge pop star, even one that, you know, could play Eddie Van Halen's Eruption with his NADSAC. It doesn't matter, you know, once, once... That big heavy stamp has been, you know, placed down on the on the paper for all to see. That's kind of it. I used to go on English. It's a little bit funny enough. It was a little bit different in England because in Australia, uh, Mona had been, you know, the Aria award-winning biggest-selling single of the year. But FM radio never played it. Commercial radio never played it because then, again, the, you know, the late eighties, early nineties was all about credibility. You know, you you had to have played in the pubs. The cruel irony is I'd lied about my age as a 15-year-old. I'd been playing in the shittiest pubs all my life leading up to Neighbours. But, of course, Neighbours kind of, you know... Uh, Erased that. Raised that, yep. most definitely. Um, and so radio simply wouldn't play it. Uh, in the UK, however, I went on morning television. It was a program called... Uh, I think it was called um, TVAM or something like that. They're but full of imaginative titles. Aren't they? Yeah. Uh, thinking, is it This Morning? That was a morning show. <laughs> this Morning yeah. was a morning show. Yeah. And then they shifted it to the afternoon. You're not going to believe what they called it. What did they call it? This, this Morning Later. This Afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> this Morning Later. Uh, this Afternoon. Big but Breakfast. Any, that Big Breakfast. Now, there was a Mike show. Little. Got a great story to tell you about that. Would you remind me in a second? Yeah. About uh, Big Breakfast. I, I, I want to keep talking about the serious stuff for a while. But... but uh, I went on this uh, imaginative, imaginatively named uh, morning show thing and, and the, the host um, goes, and I'd just flown 
direct from Sydney to London. I oh, see so you'd be feeling great. Feeling great. And I go in and this guy goes, well, it's five to eight in the morning. It's absolutely thrilled to have um, Craig McDonald. Uh, <laughs> McLaughlin, I beg your pardon. I knew it was a mc something. Uh, Craig, of course, plays the <laughs> Henry Ramsey in uh, in Home and Oh no, it's Napalm. <laughs> you know what can I say? I knew it was one of the Antipodean soaps. Anyway, he's here this morning because he's the next one who's come along and decided <laughs> decided to um, gosh, uh, decided to release a, a, a single. A record. Um, uh, of course, he hasn't written it, has he? Um, and it's uh, it's called uh, Mona. Shall we roll the video? The video comes up. There's no audio. There's no sound. Uh-huh. And he comes back. Well, that's, that's unfortunate, isn't it? Or perhaps not. Uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, shall we try? Have we got time to try again? Gosh, I'm ever so embarrassed. Craig's joined us. Of course, he's about to join us on set, and he's flown off. Let's let's try it again, shall we? Nothing. Well, well, let's just bring him on anyway, and perhaps we can talk about the song. And I come in and I just said, Mike, I haven't flown all this way not to flog the song. Excuse me a minute, will you? And I took the mic off. I went out to the car. The driver was there. And I said, Stan, flick the boot open. Will you grab a guitar for me? Went in with an acoustic guitar. And, and they're, they're throwing to the weather. They're doing whatever to cover the fact that I've stormed off. Not stormed off. Walked off to get a guitar. And I came helping. back. You're helping. Yeah. And I said, Mr. Boom Guy. Swing your big stick down here for a sec, will you? It'll be a bit gravelly, folks, because I've literally just arrived a little over an hour and a half ago. Hey, tell you more what I want. It changed perception and turned everything around in London immediately. That afternoon, from the pluggers not being able to get the song on Radio 5, let alone Radio 1, we were added to every playlist. That sort of thing doesn't happen here. I could have come in here today with a Stratocaster and uh, and played Beethoven with my stork. Over there... I'm glad you didn't, because it's... Well, it's funny you should mention that. (laughs) Stan, bring that guitar in here, will you? Uh, And a couple of Band-Aids. You remember what happened when we did it on another radio station recently? Uh, And, of course, the very very record uh, company that, that kind of created the Mona Monster... Uh, I couldn't do a deal with them today, you know, if my life depended on it. And these are the very same guys in those lofty positions now that, you know, I I, I uh, composed a movie soundtrack for the f- upcoming film Savages Crossing recently. Composed it, produced it. I'm a, I'm a dab hand on cello and people were coming in and out of the studio going, oh, who knew? And I, the red light's on, do you mind? And there I am. I could... You know, this is a point, though, because we always assume that, that uh, music coming out of soap, you know, soap stars going musician is a sort of dilettante thing to do. And I didn't know that you're actually a session muso as well, aren't you? That, that, that's frightening, a, isn't it? That's a fairly large part of your career. Yeah. Now. Keeps the fingers in. And so, I mean that in the nicest possible so, way. So, I mean, are you actually a musician who kind of acts more than an actor who... Look, I was always, I was always, uh, I always wanted to be a guitar player for whoever. Do you know what I mean? I never had huge designs on being uh, a pop star. Clearly, if I did, like... I mean, Jason was... I'm just talking about the kids that have come through the soap factory. Kids like Jason, Jason was just desperate for it. I don't mean that in a horrible way, but he just, you know, he just starving 
for pop stardom. Kylie, of course, it's all she wanted, you know. Um, me, I was happy to go to the studio and play for them or play for whoever. I was always about, you know, playing the guitar. And uh, even when we were gigging around Melbourne all those years ago with the wonderfully named Y-Fronts, um, you know, I could take or leave singing. Uh, you know, the, the boys thrust me in front of the microphone because they figured they should because I was on the telly. I was always much happier just playing guitar. So the, the session thing and just, you know, playing anything from commercials to, you know, other people's music, I've always done it and always loved it, more so than, you know, being any notion of being a pop star myself. But um, uh, but the session thing has has developed into, you know, getting invited to contribute music to film and television, and and I love it. And you're not at the mercy of some A and I A and R guy who, quite frankly, I remember I won't mention any names because that would not be fair. But my A and R guy in uh, the early days with CBS, I remember him driving me down Santa Monica Boulevard in Los Angeles. And um, it wasn't the song, but imagine a song. I love rock and roll. Put another dart in a jukebox, baby. Imagine an A&R guy going, yeah, mate, yeah, yeah, love. Have I found a song for you? And he puts that song on and sings along to it. And he sings along to it like this. I love rock and roll. <laughs> Put another dime in your jukebox, baby. So it's taking the me- clinically the tone way. deaf beyond belief, <laughs> and this is the motherfucker. Oh, pardon me. This is the guy who's determining what material you should do. Please, you know. And that was I'm, that was a really clear day for me, where I thought I got to get out of here. And shortly after, I got out of my contract. Now, I can't imagine Jason or Kylie, although Kylie's different. Obviously, toward the latter part of her relationship with Stockake and Waterman, she really wanted to try something else. Plus, she put up with years of the singing budgie shit and all the rest of it. I had a seven, I think it was a seven album deal with these guys. And after that trip to Los Angeles with my, my A&R guy, I called my manager at the time and said, you've got to get me out. Do you realise what you're doing? Oh, yeah, I realise what I'm doing. So what I did is I wrote a song. They'd sent me to America to write with all these people and the first song I played them was the thing that I wrote and I made up an alias for the American guy I co-wrote the thing with. And I, I'll get it to you, John, and you can bring it in and you can play it on box cutters. And it was called The Farmyard Scud. Mama said we're going to need some tucker, so I became a chicken plucker. You can eat a little chicken in any weather, just pluck the fucking naked taggers every feather. I made my way down to the shed, found something heavy, whack him in the head. I snuck up behind him while he was being fed. Now listen, when the colonel said it was finger licking, was he talking about choking his chicken? Anyway, it shot across the yard at a million miles an hour, fueled on dino chook pellet power. You should have seen the look on its face, this supersonic bandit with a man in chase. I lifted the timber way up high, I caught the look in that chicken's eye. They're a dreadful sight when they're about to die, by the way. When the colonel said it was finger licking, was he talking about choking his chicken? Well, on the veranda, mother stood. She said, hit that little fuck with a piece of wood if he only stood still, I bloody well could. Once the dust settled, I could see in a pile of feathers right in front of me, in a freakish stroke of terrible luck, I missed the chook and I got a duck. When the co- and this is all done to Ozark Mountain Daredevil slash hillbilly music. <laughs> I played it to these fuckers in the boardroom. Can you imagine their faces? And were you, were you selling it? It's like, oh, this is the next, this this is, is next this moment. Is, this, is, this, is the- this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. I was out of the deal at 10.20 the following morning. 
I, 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 have, I, I, I have an image of you being escorted from the building and shouting, But the devil went down to George to <laughs> such a popular song! <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a man named Jed. It was just... <laughs> As, but it does have a, a bit of the uh, cult of old regrets kind of phrasing there in there. Uh, it certainly does. I don't think it's badly written. I can... <laughs> I can. Thank oh, you, mate. Oh, it's got... It's got thankful it's he got, wasn't on the board. Yeah, I know. I, I'm still there. Yes, that's where you should be going, mate. It's, it's got... Seven CBS at that point would be much classy. different. Yeah. I'd be up to album number six now <laughs> in but a straight jacket. It no, also, but it's, it's it, a bit like a Rage Against the Machine where uh, they, they actually... Kicked off so that so their A and I dude went with the fuck you I won't do what you tell me and put that out as their first their single first, that's and it was right massive, massive yeah. yeah maybe and, I should have gone with the farmyard scarf <laughs> it it makes me think though you know all those years uh, in the wilderness for you and for Jason and for for Allendale uh, lest it, we forget it makes me think about uh, how lucky someone like Johnny Depp is that he found John Waters and Tim oh my Burton god because uh, you know they're there but for the the grace of tim burton goes goes he i mean it's yeah uh, oh absolutely uh, yeah no because at the at the end of 21 jump street he was a joke yeah we should oh, look, a I, very very gorgeous looking joke oh hilarious oh. joke gorgeous hilarious joke. gorgeous hilarious. um time wise we have to that we have, does that does bring us to the end of box yes it oh, oh, really, oh, really, no, really no, does barely yeah. scratch the surface because yeah, we, we haven't had a chance to talk about home and away which is kind of weird that you went from neighbors <laughs> to home and away all bored uh, to death which was going to be our review, review, this week. review. Um, and bugs i really wanted to talk about as well which is your uk is um, this, because you, you said wilderness and oddly enough the strange thing is when you actually look at craig mclaughlin's <laughs> career there actually isn't much wilderness in there it's just in different countries different times you were yeah it was a weird yeah. it's a weird story well that'll be for part two but part two we'll I was going to say two. Johnny yeah. is this kind of a, a roundabout sort of way to invite me back <laughs> and I could bring the farmyard scud with you me. know you're always invited back yeah next time yeah, with, what about with the, the radio show? Craig, Craig's wearing my favourite shirt as well <laughs> I'm a we little should, stinker we shouldn't tell that story should we <laughs> yo you saucy uh, minx <laughs> someone said to me how do you do that you take a small 9 volt battery just a little Vaseline but anyway that's neither here nor Craig McLaughlin thank you so much for sharing your secrets <laughs> With us on box cutters, and please, please, please come back. I'd so love and, uh, to and tell us about bugs and all the things that because because really all we did was get up to the end of neighbours and, uh, and and how and how yeah. bad and, and how bad record companies are. We're, we're up to nineteen eighty nine, and now I can't even. It all started with cranky old Alan Dale. Didn't it did, it, it did. But it now did. I can't even think what I was going to remind you of. What were you going to remind <laughs> that, me of? Don't that, remind him. Don't that, remind him. That we're that time. upstaged you again. What was it? I don't know. I specifically I drew eye contact with you and said, a, please remind here's me. Here's the thing. I'll, t- I'll tell you a secret, guys. We've got this whole thing recorded. <laughs> so we can listen back to it and when work out what the reminder thing was. He'll let you know. Yeah, He'll let me yeah, know. Yeah, we'll text you. Oh, look, let's just come back and do it all again. Because and I've got to tell you, I've got... Christopher Scase was great, a great kisser, and I've got a. We haven't even... <laughs> We haven't even touched on that yet, if I can use the word touch. Oh, Craig McLaughlin, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And thank you also for our birthday message. That was, uh, that was delightful. Thanks for inviting was, me to actually surprise. deliver Box Cutters a birthday message. A wonderful surprise. Oh, I don't know. Did we stress that you were actually playing the piano at the time, which is yeah, on the birthday message? Yeah, that was me. That was yeah. not my, my manservant <laughs> tinkling the ivories. <laughs> Every time I listen back on that last night, I expect you to go up the octave. You did, though. didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, when I cast my pod it's with the box cutters in mind box cutters pod cast done
talk is on the table. I am entirely charmed. 100% charmed. 100%? 100% charmed. Not just like 78% charmed? No way. Not 84? Not 84% charmed. No. 100% charmed. You know what I loved about Craig interviewing McLaughlin. Craig McLaughlin? It's the happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that brings us <laughs> to the end of Box Cutters episode 203. What a little stuff. Well, yeah, there was a review and there was, there was I, one thing. And there was, oh, where is, where is it all? What's the world coming to? Craig McLaughlin, really interesting. Had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. He did. So that review, uh, the uh, one thing, if, if you watch one thing, I think it should be television. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We're all in favour of that. Yeah. The winner is television. Well, paint drying, I think, was what you put down. Kandahar on uh, SBS at some point over the week uh, as... Uh, so, you no, just, you just don't gonna, understand yeah, the, the concept of we don't have time for, <laughs> for that. We, I'm done. We, we don't have done. time for that segment. Thank you so much to Craig McLaughlin for coming in and telling us tales of the industry. Uh, uh, he, he will be back, people. He will yes. be back. A part two has been threatened. Yes. Yes. And a kiss special at some stage. <laughs> so, Not the happy ending type kiss. Thanks so much, Craig. Uh, that, that was very special. Next week, we will have a review of Bored to Death, and, uh, and we will also read out uh, some of your letters. There's, uh, there's been some uh, interesting talk about the Hungry Beast stuff from last week, so we'll cover off on that. Until With next week. sarcastic comeback. Until next week. My name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Box Cutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. I've got a great story to tell you guys about... So you should have been recording with all of them. Look, such a moody, moody-looking cover. Three uh, determined and uh, moody, almost, dare I say, angry-looking young men. Now, which such a <laughs> breezy record! Where, where, where was that photograph taken? That photo was taken in an alleyway in Sydney. And, uh, and as you can see, that this is pre-kind of Photoshop and all the rest of it. Mm. And look at that young face. Pre-Photoshop. Uh, so, you know, the, it, it, night is falling for real. It's not a digitally composed night time. And the only reason we're looking so hard is because we'd been there from about 8am. And oh. as you can tell by the night sky now, it's about 7pm. <laughs> and we just want to get that shot of Craig's eyes with the... But uh, this fella here... Is he, um, is he one or two? He's two. Okay. Look, the truth be told is he's actually three. Two bailed during the recording sessions after a huge to-do with uh, Garth Porter, the producer. Garth Porter, he of Sherbet fame, of course. None of our people would be old enough to remember that, would they, except me. Uh- I'm you'd, giving my age you'd away. Be, uh, you'd, you'd be surprised, surprised at how old our audience is. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I'm so relieved. They play this in nursing homes. Oh, <laughs> now I'm really relieved. It. They play it, yeah. Uh, our, original, uh, our original drummer had a huge falling out with Garth Porter, 
and uh, and stormed out of the studio, kind of saying, "If this what it, if this is what is what making um, pop records is all about, I'm back to the pubs of northern New South Wales. Good luck with it." Uh, can I just what, go? On. What does a drummer have to to get angry at a producer about? Says, I am listening to the click track. I am such integrity. That's what's getting me. Such the thing about it was, and, and it was a, it was a curious thing because it was all the record companies, and you know you find all this stuff out years down the track, but. The record company was convinced that to truly compete with uh, Kylie and Jason and the whole Stockache and Waterman thing and me being the next neighbour's cab off the rank, they really need to eliminate the band. Get rid of one and get rid of two. (laughs) And they figured two was the weakest link. They'd get rid of two first. So they started to go to work on him in the studio and they'd stop him mid-take and just go... You're out with the click, mate. We've got to go again. The truth of the matter is this boy was a human metronome. Dave Williams is his name. He still plays in Sydney very successfully. And they just wore him down over a period of days. He was gone. So there was just some sort of psychological warfare. Exactly. Check one was hip to it, though, because he'd overheard a few sneaky record company conversations. So he immediately went to a tanning salon, got himself a tan and streaked his hair and it was looking fabulous. But wasn't this the point? I mean, wasn't your gimmick that, that, you know, we say gimmick, I mean, the fact that you were actually doing like the rock thing and the band thing as opposed to the other kids who were doing more the kind of well, it's pop? Yeah. yeah. Well, the interesting thing is um, Stockhake and Waterman actually approached me after they'd had obviously huge success with Kylie and then straight into huge success with Jason and I was the next cab off the rank and... and uh, and I said no, not because I was trying to pull any kind of highbrow. No, I'm a real musician. You know, watch me play Eddie Van Halen's Eruption with my eyebrows. <laughs> it wasn't about that. It was just, I, I just wasn't up for it. Purely and simply. And we were just playing Melbourne pubs, you know, every Village Green and all those kind of, I say dives. I mean that in the most affectionate sort of way. In, we, in, in, the, the, great, great in the great way that Melbourne used to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we were loving that. No, I, ser- I was certainly loving it. And, you know, the fact that, you know, the fact that I was on a stupidly successful telly show was terrific because it just meant the venues were packed. I was splitting the dough, you know, evenly with the boys and we were making a mozza and having a great time. So the Stock Anchor Waterman thing just didn't appeal. Uh, Michael Gadinsky, who was then Mushroom, of course, and various people came and checked out the band. And... You know what? Next time I come on, I'll bring some old demos. The, the demos for the album sound nothing like Check One Two. <laughs> Sadly, uh, in, it was in, in a good way or a bad way. In a good way, in that uh, you know it uh, it was raw. My influences as a kid playing guitar, it was all about Jimi Hendrix and Clapton and Page and all the usual sort of guitar heroes that people my age who play kind of quote you know. And uh, Garth Porter was brought on board to pop. Affy us. And, you know, look, to his credit, he did, and it sold a shitload of records. But we weren't happy. I wasn't happy. The drummer's gone. But anyway, getting back to your point, John, the whole thing was, yeah, a, a band as opposed to Stockhake and Waterman. But the major record label, the, the monster that is Sony, had other plans. And, of course, eventually even Check One got boned, and certainly not in the pleasurable sense. And that left me. And, of course, the late 80s, early 90s, what they also did, which was, you know, so smart, was uh, if you'd had success with something, 
whether people loved or hated uh, Hey Mona and all that stuff, it was very successful. Well, rather than do something, you know, not, not entirely copying it, but kind of keeping with what at that point in time people were enjoying, no, they managed to strip me of check one and check two, and of course three was long gone, uh, and sent me to America to write with a guy who wrote a B-side for a heart single from 1988 that went to number 400 with an anchor. That's like rock royalty back in those days. Do you so know what I mean? So not, not even, uh, I would drive all night. Do you know, not even. <laughs> I mean, I would have, trust me, you know, that, that, I would have that's been... That's no barracuda. I would have been more than happy with her. I drive all night. Uh, all I want to do is make love to you. In fact, the very song I was singing to you the other night, John, mm. but... No, I go and write with this. Don't laugh properly. It was touching. It was beautiful. Don't make it sordid. Uh, Don't make it sordid. Moving. Moving. Mm. Ever so. Uh, So so I I go off and write with these guys. And so Sony get this kind of solo Craig record. And, of course, anyone, any kid that, you know, um, hassled their parents to buy them this just went, what is this shit? This sounds nothing like it, and it was all over Red Rover. So can I ask, because I presume we've, 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 we've started now, I imagine. Oh, 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 we're, <laughs> hey, we're <laughs> off and racing, aren't we? I don't know. Do you want to do the thing, Brett, and then, uh, <laughs> the thing? And, then, and then we'll come back, and then that can actually can be actually our bit be at the, the end. Oh, ah, yeah. Huh? You see? Yeah, so we do a secret good. bit at the end. Hey. Okay. That can be the secret bit at the end. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and we'll finish with you, John, saying, uh, so I'm guessing we've started already. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll have Pete Smith. Pete Smith. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.